kick us off, Steve. I forgot how to start. I don't even know anymore. I just had stage fright immediately. Hello, everyone. My name's Steve. My name's Rebecca. Uh, you, you took a breath. You took a breath. It looked, it looked like you were going for it, and then you're like, yeah, I, I have I decided, stage fright suddenly. No, and now you're I wanted to be polite. Uh, you do see, it because I always uh, do. Yeah, it. you do. It. You want to start it off again? No, go ahead. All right, we're we're rolling into this mess go already. On. And today we have a very special guest, Imogen Gingell. That's me. <laughs> Many of you may know Imogen from. Uh, everything. I would say everything. Uh, she, she has done countless modules, Manifest Zone. She's huge on both Big Red and the Living Eberron server. And we have her here today, and uh, she's going to be doing a character with us, and I'm really excited about that. I know you are as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it should, it should be a fun one to do. It falls very much within my wheelhouse, so we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> well, Good. That's what we were hoping for. Someone comfortably within your wheelhouse, because if we lull you into a false sense of security, then we can get everyone else to come on too, because that's, (laughs) oh, we got you and we were like, oh no, this is too high. We've we've reached our pinnacle already. Oh no, there we go, two kinds. Uh, but but it is true. You you are a moderator on the Eberron Discord. You're on mm-hmm. Manifest Zone. You yeah. moderate the Reddit. I don't know if you have anything to do with the Facebook group. Um, I don't actually. That that is oh, okay. that is completely outside my sphere of influence. <laughs> so the, it's it's the standing rock outside. No, all, all of the best mm. modules have clearly have her fingerprints in them. Yep. Yeah. No, it, I, I think. You are high up in the echelons of Eberron. Yeah. No. It feels weird to hear because, you know, I mean, like, diving back to discovering the setting all that time ago, and you think, ah, now I'm at the stage where I work with the creator of the setting in numerous ways, and it's like, oh, it's unbelievable in a lot of ways, but it's so cool. So how do you get started in Eberron? So I, I came to the setting right at the start. Oh, like, fantastic. That's my, my bragging. You know, I've been here since the very beginning. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I got started with D&D sort of in the, the, the very early noughties. So when 3.0 came out. So that would have been like the year 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a teenager, you know, kitchen table stuff. Um and then Eberron was, you know, previewed and, and, and released um, in 2004. I hope I get that one very uh, important fact right. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I picked it up then and sort of fell in love with the setting and uh, started doing sort of homebrew for it shortly afterwards. So I was quite active at the time on the, uh, the Wizards of the Coast message boards putting together, you know, cost, custom monsters and, and we did a sort of Eberron Monster of the Week on the, on the forums for several years, actually. I managed to keep that going. And then I sort of collected those into the uh, a blog, which kind of still semi-exists on Tumblr to this day called The Dragon Above. Yeah, I, I, I guess there was a period where I kind of drifted away from D&D for a couple of years and then 5e kind of came crashing back and was like, right, let's do Eberron again. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't really, you know, know. It seems difficult to pinpoint a, a place where it all kind of started to take off. Actually, 
I think maybe it is the creation of the Everon Discord that kind of kicked everything in, in, <laughs> into high gear, um, which sounds mad, but it's completely true. Because I'd, I'd been kind of around on the on the sort of D&D community on social media. Like, I mean, the, the, the Wizards of the Coast boards died, you know, a decade ago. Yeah. But there were still Reddit, subreddits and things, which I was keeping an eye on, on and off. And... Uh, moderator spot on the Reddit opened up, so I thought, yeah, I'll go in. I'll go in for that. I mean, there's only a very small subreddit, so it didn't take a lot of work. But someone suggested there that we make a Discord for the subreddit, which I did. The Discord, in a lot of ways, has sort of grown to take up much more of my time and get its own independent identity, <laughs> um, as, as Big Red, as some people call it. And so through through that server, it was really kind of hitting its stride and growing at the point where the DMs Guild released the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. And when that happens, the DMs Guild also opened up that platform to Eberron products, at which point those of us that had great fun chatting and talking about our own sort of pet projects for Eberron suddenly had this, you know, little space where you can, well, you can monetize it as well, but it also puts your work in front of the eyes of a lot of people and you can sort of I, th I think part of it is that when you publish something on there you draw a line under it and you try and make it this really neat package and it feels like a, you can really contribute a chunk of something instead of just trickling through blog posts or oh here's a monster I homebrewed on the discord or the reddit or, it, know, it, I was going to say it does feel like the product is much more finished and polished a lot of the time than just mm -hmm. a simple blog post and it does tie it together so nicely that it feels I, I the, we haven't done one yet but we've been working on stuff and every single time I'm like once this hits it's going to feel like an actual contribution as opposed yeah. to just you know an, an article here or there so I can imagine just how exciting that was yeah, so the the first thing I, I sort of did was put together a collection of some of the monsters I'd been converting for 5th edition. So I went back to those Monster of the Week things that I was doing in 3rd edition and a bit in 4th edition as well, and updated a bunch of them to 5th edition. I put them in a monster manual I called the Codex Sybaris, put them on, on the DMs Guild, and, and people seemed to like it. <laughs> And that, I mean, I, I, I was among a few people doing that for Eberron at the time. And then when the Embers of the Last War Adventurers League uh, Adventure Path started to get released, we put together, well, me and a, a few other people sort of based around the folks that we'd known and made friends with in the Discord, we started the Across Eberron collaboration. So that was started by Wayne Chang of Manifest Zone <laughs> and KMV Presents fame, who decided he wanted to put together a, a good Eberron adventure path that could represent the sort of division of the community and of, of, of Keith as well, in a way, who, who agreed very generously to, to sort of act as executive producer on that collaboration. Eberron fans probably most familiar with Fired and Forgotten as my yep. contribution to Across Eberron. So that was the, the first episode, um, which involves uh, uh, Warforge going on strike in, in the cogs in the underbelly of Shan. But then I also did episode six 
is Knight's Gambit, where you have to infiltrate a Fort Bones in Karnath, and then part of Skyfall, which was the, the, the big finale, the episode 13. Well, don't, don't give away any of that, because... Uh, we, we've just, uh, we've covered Fired and Forgotten. We haven't covered Nightfall because it was, uh, too far out of our purview of what we cover, but we've done, uh, perfect timing. So we just did Uh, that one, but we're making our way to Skyfall. Skyfall will happen in our world. So I don't want to ruin anything yet. Okay. My lips are sealed. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I guess that's sort of working with the cross Eperon is, is sort of kind of the big break in a sense of. Um, it put my work in front of the eyes of a lot more people. It got me working with with Wayne and with Keith a little bit here and there. Although I wasn't on the editing team um, for that, I was, you know, that was Laura Hersbrenner and, and Wayne um, and Anthony Turco doing doing some of that. But yeah, then I suppose the next escalation was joining Manifest Zone, um, which was amazing and a complete surprise when the message dropped in my inbox from Wayne saying hey you want to do the podcast and I was like starstruck for a minute thinking (laughs) oh my god I gotta get to talk for an hour with Keith about um well everyone is the best (laughs) so when was that that was like was that two years ago one year ago I honestly can't remember what has happened. Twenty twenty. No, I was going to say definitely the before times because yeah, uh, yeah that <laughs> last year was just a nightmare for all of us. We, we... Uh, yeah, who know, who knows? Anyway, some some you know portion of time ago. Yes, because sadly, um, well, not sadly for for Christian, but sadly for Manifesto and Christian uh, stepped away to focus on his Savage World work, which is mm-hmm. excellent. You should check that out. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, they invited me to, to join in and I was, <laughs> and that's been, been the last X number of months, last year's units of time. Yeah. I've had a great time working on Manifest Zone, um, talking with Keith and Wayne about all things ever on. Yeah. To the point I'm now working with them both on the, the sort of development of more KB presents stuff like Frontiers of Eberron book on Threshold, and I worked a bit on Dread Metro, the the Eberron uh, Ravenloft crossover that Keith recently released on the DMs Guild. So yeah, I don't know, feels like I've done a lot, but all of it's so cool. (laughs) And I can say that because (laughs) it's working with Keith and obviously it's super cool. Does feel a bit like a roller coaster, to be honest, but in in, in all the good ways. Heck of a trajectory there! You just immediately started off and shot off like a rocket, man. I mean, to be fair, it felt the same way for us too, though. I mean, that's true, but we, we yeah. still haven't. You know, we're still down at the. No, no, we're not. No, no we're, we're not up no. there yet. Uh, I casually but, messaged Keith yesterday. But that that's different. You're, you're working with him. Like I, <laughs> I couldn't casually message Keith. I still can't comfortably be like, "Hi, Keith." It when I see him in the Discord, I see him there, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna go now." At the bye. <laughs> you know, to be fair, whenever I get messages from Keith, I still have the bit of the the, the geek out moment. It's like you messaged me the other day just about, hey, I'm, I'm going to put out a blog post about Pokemon. Could I link your stuff? And I was like, uh, 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 you know, finding myself. Of course, of course. Play cool. 
you know, yeah, here's my links. <laughs> Pokemon is cool. Um, <laughs> When, when we started, we were talking about doing this, uh, and I was like, Rebecca, uh, I kind of want to do a thing, and I, I've found out that Keith Baker has uh, a blog. I'm going to send him a letter, and Rebecca's like, oh, go ahead and do so. And I started out normal, and then just immediately went crazy fan, and just was like, hi, I like all your stuff, really great, I really enjoy everything that you do, please like me a bunch. And it was just all super embarrassing in hindsight, but <laughs> I feel like all of my interactions with him are still those. Because there's that one, and then there's the awkward interaction I had following the... Uh, threshold? Well, not only the threshold, okay. but the awkward interaction at PAX, that oh, whole weird thing. No. Yeah, like I feel like all of my interactions with him are just weirdly tainted, and he's gonna... Like, I hope that I'm anonymous enough that he doesn't remember me, but I'm also super worried that he does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that he's well aware, in all the good ways, I'm forgetting all the bad things. Oh god, um, I hope so. Which is project this 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 perfect image of all your interactions <laughs> and believe it to be true. Oh goodness. But no, um, I mean completely. Even when I'm still on manifest zone, you know, while we're recording and I'm listening to Keith uh, wax lyrical about these things, I have to remind myself, oh wait, I'm mean, yeah, I, I I'm participating. I'm not just <laughs> listening to all of these wonderful stories. Um yeah. <laughs> He's good people. He's good, he is good people. He's, yeah, he's he seems he seems people. like a uh, all you know, of my interactions. He's been wonderful and genuine, and it's really nice. But again, I'm just terrified that I'm too nerdy to exist. <laughs> you know who else is good people? That Imogen Imogen is oh, really good people. Oh. I, you know what? I will have um, to agree with that. Imogen <laughs> was one of the nicest people when we were joining the Discord first starting out, and when we were starting to do this. Hey, we have this dumb idea. Uh, and then everything went from there. And it's still a dumb idea, but... Imogen it's... sent one of the very first Aloofy's Advice she Corner did, questions. Indeed. We, we had that one very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And it was uh, on fashion, wasn't it? It was on fashion. Always on it fashion. Was. And Aloofy was ruthless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I can't, I'm trying to remember back, but I, I know I re- it was it was Cinnabar, who is it my was elf Cinnabar. character from, from times gone by. Um, but she was asking about wearing a dress from a hundred years ago or something like that. I I think I have it. I think I still have. Yeah, I still. Oh, have we an definitely email. still have oh, it. Well, yeah. yeah, we could check back on uh, that. <laughs> Dear Luffy, <laughs> I've been invited to the Tain Gala next week, and I need to make a splash. As luck would have it, I recently rediscovered a wonderful gown that I wore to Princess Rowan's naming ball. Can I wear the same dress after one hundred and twenty years? Will 9th century fashion ever make a return? Yours in glam- glamour, Cinnabar de Fjarlin. Classic. And Aloofy was like, it's never coming back unless you make it come back. You know what's funny, though, is how influential that, that question was. Because part of the answer was that Silas had a handlebar mustache at that time. Yes. And the reason that Silas has a mustache in the Living Eberron is because yeah, uh, he had one back then because of that one question. What a weird thing! What a what a weird thing! To just <laughs> you it's shaped everything. These, these these things. Um, I don't know. This, this is the fun part about collaborative role play, isn't it? All these things build on each other in ways you never anticipate, and even the smallest comment ends up adding to a, a huge part of this sort of image you have of character or, or how their story is going to play out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Entirely. We, we yeah. did that with a couple of our followers who wanted to do things, and we were encouraging them, mm-hmm. and Gambo. it changed the direction that they were going entirely. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's very it, it's both amazing and scary at the same time because you don't want to you know step on anyone's toes yeah yeah but yeah so a big thing um and obviously i just personally now that i have you on voice and i can say this to your face kind of <gasps> thank you genuinely you pretty much single-handedly gave us the confidence to like keep going after that like that three month we're doing okay but what if we're really bad like terror that comes with starting something new and you on on the reddit when i was having troubles because the reddit bot kept flagging my stuff <laughs> as uh spam because we didn't have enough karma yet and oh, then yeah. the discord that. and all of that like you you were just amazing and oh, you know you. touched us in a really in a really kind way but no i mean really thank you for i mean it's always lovely when you know fans create something and especially something that was you know it, i mean the, the first time i listened to to, to the echo is when it crossed across the, the the reddit that first time i was blown away by the sort of i don't know the production and the the, the daddy i don't know it was brilliant i thought oh my god i have to do all the things <laughs> i don't know yeah it, it was i mean I've, I've not heard anything sort of that good put together on a first attempt before and it was like oh this is amazing going um, back to older episodes i'm like oh god this is so bad <laughs> i know some of our ones that we do now i'm like mm, these oh, are bad too no, it's bad but I, I think that we were we were very nervous and the the community was so welcoming and it just i mean I, even now, having you on is just like, oh, I would, I would just scream and geek out as well. <laughs> because you, you've done so much good work. L let me ask about working on Fired and Forgotten. What was your inspiration behind doing that? Ooh, okay. I think, so part of the process of putting together across Eberron, the, the, the kind of the first adventure path was that we wanted to make sure that areas, you know, sort of the full breadth of the setting, at least Corvair, was, had a chance to shine, you know? So we wanted to make sure, you know, where a lot of adventure paths sort of stay in Shan or are really focused on Brethend, we wanted to make sure, you know, it takes you out to Thrain, you see Thrain, you see Karnath, you see the Lazar Principalities, you see everything. So the first stage in that was the editors put together a, a sheet where it's like, okay, number one to 13, we want to go here, 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 and here. We know some of the themes we like in Eberron, you know, we want to look at Warforged or the Plains or the Church of the Silver Flame or Pirates or, you know, the the, the Demon Wastes and mm -hmm. the Gash Kalara, all this kind of, here are a, a bunch of things and then line them all up and 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 line them all up with, with a plane, actually, we... We picked out, or they picked out, the manifest zones, and you know we we tried to find one manifest zone from each plane, and then sort of plan it out that way. So I was also asked very kindly to do the first one, and being the first one, it made sense to sort of start and shine, you know, before mm -hmm. before branching out. So I was given the prompt of ride an adventure in Shan about the Warforged in the Cox because there is sort of a semi-canon, not quite canon, 
Fernian influence in in the in the sort of the forges down underneath the city. So the sort of the story of Fight and Forgotten sort of naturally permeated out of that in a way. You know, you, you have these conditions of sort of a squalor, you have a downtrodden minority, the Warforged at that point, trying to work and, and build a life for themselves in this new new post war era so it so it just kind of made sense to me to to build on the the, the sort of strike angle of that and actually i was on strike at the time as well so <laughs> <laughs> um joining union yeah i work in academia so and i think in was it in 2018 or 2019 uh 2019 i think uh, at the end of the year there were strikes over pensions and pay among uh, university staff which i was taking part in so that part of the concept as well was very much fresh in my mind <laughs> yeah and and then i just build it from there in terms of other inspiration i remember playing on loop a it, a, a sort of music video slash opening cinematic for a uh, Warframe expansion, which, oh, what was it called? Uh, I don't play the game, so I didn't know it, except someone linked it <laughs> to me. Uh, but it, it's this kind of song by these partially mechanized or people that are doing manual labor down in the, in this planet to try and I think they have some kind of arrangement where they have to, they're like indentured servants and they, they have mechanized sort of limb replacements and stuff. Um, and they have to pay off their debt for buying those by working, but they need those to work. I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's a banger. <laughs> so <laughs> I had it going. Um, uh, it's like a work, working song, you know, with this heavy beat hammers and wrenches going and it's really thematic so i just had that on, on on repeat as i was writing this module yeah <laughs> all of that is yeah. absolutely fascinating yeah, and i really enjoy a lot of the parallels uh between you know modern unions and then of course like company towns there, there's a lot of like little things that you can put for that type of political intrigue into your games that's just really mm -hmm. enjoyable it really is and uh i think we we definitely covered the forge <laughs> and <laughs> yes. uh their plight unfortunately yes uh, um, but you were you were saying rebecca yeah, yeah no, i know I you had say. questions because you're actually <laughs> focused in on trying to yeah get the things done instead of letting me ramble, ramble. like i normally do stop rambling steve focus in steve <laughs> uh -huh. Uh, while we're on the topic of your adventures, in our in-character interview, you are going to be portraying the ambassador to Redra. Yeah, Hellkashtai. So, Hellkashtai. Thank you. I was I'm blanking on. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna um, butcher that name. Thank yes. you. <laughs> she, she's the aide to the real ambassador, but I suppose she's yes. she's part of the diplomatic staff. But yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Get the cannon right, Rebecca. I'm sorry. <laughs> just woke up um we're trying to impress people stop fucking up rebecca come on oh. <laughs> uh, so i'm gonna leave now no no when, no. when, when I, I had to look this up i had to make sure that i remembered <laughs> hellkashtai's actual title so you're not the only one that has to check all the sources all the time thank we you. all do it thank you <laughs> but 
Escape from Redra, your yes. most recent, <clears throat> most recent, most recent release. Yes. Other than uh, Dreadmatch. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably the most recent. I can't remember if I did the silly Pokemon thing before or after Riedra at the moment. I think maybe it was before. Anyway, Escape from Riedra. Yeah, that's the biggest project I've, I've put together. So that is sort of a side adventure we put out through Across Eberron, which is a fair amount longer than the usual sort of one-shot style we aimed for with the rest. And it is about going to Riedra and learning all about the culture there and, and, and the magic and the psionics and how that plays out in this horrible, oppressive, dystopian hellhole that they've built, um, which they'll claim is paradise. Yeah, that really, that, that really was a, a sort of a labor of love. I think it took me, I don't know, a long time to put together, but I'd been meaning to do it for a couple of years because it, it sort of started its life as a just a just a sort of regular game playing with with some other folks on the uh uh i got i'd met through the everyone discord hey there it is again and actually i think i pulled in some from the facebook group as well at that point but anyway i was going into it thinking i want to finally run an adventure in riedra because it had always been one of my favorite parts of the setting just because it's so sort of alien in, it, in its approach to society that it makes such a sort of a delicious role-playing opportunity you know it's it's so fun to write stories in because it's so strange and you get to explore all the ways that their society is set up kind of builds stories and builds characters and all oh, this is wonderful so yeah I, I ran this adventure thinking you know DM's Guild is open for writing everyone content. So as I go, I'll, I'll think about, you know, I'll save extracts and things and I'll, I'll, I'll be thinking constantly about how I'm going to eventually turn this into a module. And then I eventually did. It took me a while, but I got there in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it deals with, I don't want to spoil too much of it, but the sort of the setup for the adventure is that someone has come to you having escaped from Darsan, which is the Riedrin enclave in Shan. And they've escaped their horrible, oppressive, psychic state of slavery or whatever. And, and, and they uh, come to you saying, I want you to help get my lover out because, you know, we, we were together in Riedra. I got shipped out here. You know, bring her to me. Ooh. Starcross Lovers type story. Love it. So, yeah, you learned that actually this, this escaped, I suppose, sort of slave or, or subject of Riedra. Her lover is the inspired ruler of one of their cities or towns, I suppose. Well, village, maybe more like. So the adventure is all, that, all about sort of navigating the, the truth and lies to, to, to get into this this psionic state and get out with this noble from that region who also has psychic powers, but who could be possessed by a spirit from another world at any moment. So it's 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 an interesting puzzle, I think. And you, you get some good character moments along the way. I like to think so anyway. But yeah, it was the first 
As far as we could tell, it's the first module, the first published module that anyone has ever published for Salona as a region that's set in Salona. So that was our sort of marketing buzz, you know, for the first time you can go to Riedra and experience it for yourself. It's it's a really fun module. There's a lot of, you, you built in a lot of places where you just have the, the ability, players just have the ability to kind of diverge and... It felt very sandbox, yeah. It, it did feel yeah. relatively sandbox. You know, you've got point A to point B, but, you know, when you're in Darulatesh and when you're in... Um, Barutesh. Barutesh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they both both areas feel very very open, and there's lots of puzzles and and little strings going everywhere. And there's mm. there's a lot of tension that's built in. I I, I know our DM Kanga actually was the one who ran, ran it for us. Uh, we didn't get to finish it just because of you know <laughs> scheduling. Yeah. But man, it was really enjoyable to see all those little threads and all the little threats and just that ever present oppressive who's watching where are they watching where are the eyes at all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very nerve-wracking <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> all according to plan <laughs> but yeah i think that's sort of the way i want to build it is that you know it, it exists as a window into Riedra, so i wanted to make sure the players could spend time in the environment without necessarily having the urgency of time Oh, I mean, there's some urgency of time, but not like you can stop around and smell the roses for a bit, you know, and and sort of uncover all the ways that Riedra looks so idyllic on the surface. But, you know, even just slightly beneath it sort of revealed as this oppressive dystopian surveillance state where no one is truly free, but they will tell you they are. So yeah, um, it has a couple of choke points, obviously, because you know you can you, you learn pretty early on when writing modules that you can't make them completely open ended, otherwise you'd never publish. <laughs> but yes, uh, so there's the the, the city of Darulatesh, which is one of Riedra's two ports where foreigners are allowed to go, and then again another sandbox in Borutesh, Borutesh uh, which is this village out towards sort of the border of Riedra with Sirkan, which is a little more unstable, a little less well-controlled than the city. So you can start to see where the control is failing and, and, and where dissidents are starting to put plans in motion and, and where the, the sort of the, the oppressive surveillance and the caste system and the, uh, the psionic influence is is starting to fail so hopefully it gives the sort of broad strokes overview a complete tour of all of Salo, you know riedra's themes in one uh one module or so i hope <laughs> the the themes that i was getting were don't go there uh don't don't, <laughs> don't, don't go there just don't just don't mm. <laughs> and in some ways it, it sort of it has to be i don't know like with with Boritesh, it sort of affords you, you have to play up some of these failures of the reagent system. Um, mm. Because if you went somewhere nearer the middle, like if you went to Korvagura, to the capital in um, Duratal, I think is the name of the capital, then there's, there's, 
you know, that becomes an epic level threat where, you know, <laughs> any wrong move and someone has psionically learned of your intentions seconds after stepping through the city walls. But but yeah, the, the outskirts are it's a little bit more fun to be had there, I think. <laughs> at least at low levels. So before we jump into our more fun questions, obviously mm-hmm. D&D, what other tabletop RPGs have you played? Are you interested in that you enjoy? Ooh, big question. And I knew this was coming, but I still got to think about which, which do I say first. I, I enjoy playing all kinds, particularly as, I mean, I started out playing, the, I think as a lot of people do, playing the, the quite rigid and mechanical systems like D&D. But certainly in the last five years or so I've been spending a lot more time with narrative systems so certainly a lot of Powered by the Apocalypse type systems which are very narrowly focused on one emulating one particular genre and the kind where you 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 build up a fiction in a more collaborative process. I was playing a quite long-running campaign with masks which is emulating the sort of teenage superheroes navigate their way through uh, angst and superpowers. I played oh, all sorts. Do we have a bit of Monster of the Week going? Or maybe, it, I don't know, I'm trying to think to, to my shelves and, and what I played and what I just thought about playing. <laughs> I'm That's always in, the issue. <laughs> yes. I'm currently in a game of Wonder Home, uh, actually, which Ooh. is enormous fun. It's a diceless system where everyone plays a sort of very quaint anthropomorphic animal navigating their way through an almost conflict-free world it's just it's so cute you just go on a journey together and and it's it's, it, it's adorable it's on my list of, yeah. of uh, rpgs to pick up yeah it's, it's a really good system and there's not a lot in it mechanically and that works to its strength because I mean, we, we find when we're playing Wonder Home games that we spend half the time talking about and building a place we're going to send our small animal friends to, <laughs> you know, do something as simple as deliver a letter or go to a festival. But you, you build up this place and what it means to each of your characters. Oh, it's so twee. It's so cute. So that's always a nice kind of contrast to have to D&D where, you know, uh, on one week, we'll go into a, a dungeon and uh, kill off a spider infestation in a cultist lair. And then the next, we, you know, talk to a chameleon about the best way to forge a knife or something like that. I don't know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. I do recommend Wonder Home. I do, I do think it, it's not going to be the system for everyone, but I think if you mm-hmm. love narrative systems it's gonna you're gonna have some good times with it what else have i done savage worlds genesis the veil all kinds of all all kinds yeah (laughs) that's good i think that just getting outside of DD is always really good because people start to to realize that oh this part of DD that i really like here's here's something that is based all around that specific concept Mm-hmm. Which, which I really like. Yeah, and it really does sort of the breadth of 
systems as well. It, it gives you an appreciation for other ways of doing things, which, you know, they're fun to do at the time, but you can also bring them back to your D&D games. So the the tools and the mechanics and the, the, the way these games are written make you a better D&D player from, you know, both sides of the screen. They make you a better writer for, you know, the, the products you want to put on drive through RPG or, or DMs Guild, whether they're ever on or not, you know. So yeah, you're always learning new things and it's definitely good to branch out and try new things. Even if it's just for one shots and things, you can still learn a lot from that. So I'm waiting for Rebecca to have you. you no, you I'm not going to say it. Society I'm pitch because you gonna, always do the good I'm society. I'm not going to say good society <laughs> uh, every single time. Good society is a really good narrative RPG. That's all. <laughs> that is true. If you really enjoyed, uh, you know, Escape from Reactor, though, uh, Paranoia might be the game for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Paranoia. I've never actually played Paranoia, believe it or not. Um, sure. I'm adding you to the list. I'll make sure that you get in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you and DB. That's my list so far. No, well, no, I wouldn't say uh, if, if, with 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 Paranoia. It, it's much more. Um, there's much more comedy than there is in. Oh, I mean, yeah. there, but that's yeah. only because I play it uh, like hard comedy. Yeah. I, I twist it, you know, the knob that way. Because it's meant to, do... to be taken really seriously no, as well. Nobody wants to do a grim, dark, paranoia game. Well, there Gross. are people. I mean, there's Gross. an entire... Th- there are three different... It's classic zap and straight for a reason. <laughs> so, uh, we are going to jump to some in-character questions. And Steve is going to do the final two out-of-character questions. The most complicated with you. Uh, after I scream off to work. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Imogen. You're wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. All right, listeners, uh, you, you've all come back at a weird time. Rebecca has left, so we're going to talk bad about her the whole time. Uh, okay. <laughs> Power's gone to her head. I'm gonna say it. Uh, she she's in charge of Big Red now. She's you know one of the cool moderators, and that's uh, too much power for her. <laughs> she needs to. Someone's got to take her down. I'm part of a super secret splinter group, and we're uh, doing our best. Oh no! It sounds like something for the inspired to stamp out. <laughs> Becca is part of the unity now. Oh God, no! Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, secret. Uh, that, that's why I'm never on because I'm part of the Kalish Tar. If you guys see me, I'll get run out. <laughs> oh no! Alrighty, and so uh, we will jump right back into the questions, and these are our two favorite questions because uh, I think they uh, give us a lot of insight into who you are as a person, and then on top of that, uh, it gives us ideas we can steal later on. <laughs> Fair enough. So we introduced radio, as you know, into Eberron. Yes. What one thing would you introduce into Eberron? It doesn't have to be from the real world, but what one thing would you introduce? This is a this is a very good question, and I was racking my brain all afternoon to to, to think about it. I would like this is going to sound silly, but I would like to see in Eberron more uses of sort of low-level elemental binding, like with with perhaps, you know, as, as the timeline advances, you see more elemental binding with sort of handheld devices and things. 
So maybe you could have a flash cube for your camera that has a little fire elemental in it. But as I was thinking about this, I ended up realizing that what I really want is for the Eberons, for the people of Eberron to collect little kyber shards with tiny elemental monsters in them. And suddenly we're back <laughs> at Pokemon. And then, you know, why not? That's what I say. Let's have Kyber Shard, Kyber Dragon Shard Pokemon. Yeah, bro. I'm absolutely on board for that. I think the idea of more binding is is a very fun idea too, though, because we, we dabbled with that with uh, the idea of them trying to figure out how to make a, a lightning guitar because mm. uh, someone came on to the tiny taverns with an electric guitar and that made no sense to them. So they're, well, oh, there, there must be uh, lightning elementals that we don't know about. And then the idea is just permeated from there about how electricity would be implemented and it would be uh, just reverse engineered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I can't wait to see uh, more Pokemon and how people use that in their in their games. Uh, I was completely blown away when Keith did an article on it. I did not expect yeah, that at all. Neither did I, to be fair. I thought it was just, you know, the intersection between people who enjoy Aberon and the people who enjoy Pokemon is going to be relatively slim. At least the people that care enough to write something about it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to... The, I think it's just us on on the uh, Living Eberron. It's just the, the handful of us all part of the Squirtle Squad. Yes, yes. You've got to get you spin your stops, play some go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and so the other question that we always ask uh, is, uh, I think the one that everyone has the most trouble with. I, I think the what would you introduce into Eberron is one that everyone gets to be really creative with. And then once you go into this one, which is what one spell do you wish you could use in real life? It becomes very like, uh, you have to go through them all and suss out exactly which one you want. Yeah. I, w I will admit to, to cracking open the player's handbook and, and flicking through it's like, Oh, which one of these would, would, would make the, the biggest difference. So how high level can I go? Any level at all. It doesn't matter. Oh. It could be any source book, anything that you want. Wish. Break the world. <laughs> Break the world. No, no, no. That that's a cop out answer. I think teleport is a good is a good one. Super high level, but just being able to go anywhere you want, whenever you want, is both extremely useful and. I, d I don't know, life-changing in terms of you can visit anywhere. I, c I could come and sit with you in the studio <laughs> instead of having the Atlantic Ocean between us. And that would be, pr I could go to, to Dragon Con or to Gen Con instead of wondering when these things are ever going to return to the UK. I could go to the moon if you try hard enough. I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend that one. Don't do that one. No, no. You need to take a space suit. What is the carrying <laughs> capacity on teleport? Uh, the carrying capacity, let's... Uh, I was going to say, I think... I want to say the older ones, it was... I wanted to say 100 pounds per person, but I'm not certain. Yeah. It's been a while since I've used actual teleport, because if I be, you just use a lot of teleportation circles. It's yes. just easier that yeah. way. Yeah. The problem with teleportation circle, I suppose, if I pick that, I have to spend years of my life 
traveling around putting down teleportation circles that only I could use. <laughs> that was one of the most frustrating things when I first joined 5e because I was like, oh man, I'll be a wizard. And that was one of the spells I took. And then I realized that I had to spend a whole year just to get it to stay. And I was like, I have the money. Can't I just pay someone else to do this? Isn't there a way to speed this up? Because a whole mm -hmm. year just seems so, so, it's like such a pain in the ass. And, and this so, is why uh, Hazarian exists. Exactly. <laughs> do it for us. It's good uh, what, what we started doing was we started carrying around a cart and then just writing it inside the cart. So that oh, way it was just there all the time. Trixie. <laughs> Anything we could do to make the, uh, the Rebecca was the GM, so anything we could do to make her miserable, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you can. Of course, of course. If you if you can't make your DM's life miserable, what's what's the point in playing D and D? <laughs> I, I try and be so. I try and be the uh, the the. I always call it like the foil to the DM. I try and do what maybe not the foil. I try and do what they want me to do. I, I sit and I look at the DM and I say, what do they actually want us to do in this situation? There's a big lever on the wall. They want me to pull that lever. And then I pull that lever and it creates chaos and fun and the DM is always surprised by it because they get to, you know, see all their traps and things come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, the, the team doesn't like it nearly as much. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you on that. I talk a big game about harassing the DM but honestly, I'm I, I, I'm not that confident. <laughs> no, I, I think I agree. It's, it's like if, if the DM is signaling a trap, you spring the trap. If the DM, you know, has some otherworldly horror trap behind a door, you open the door. If there's a lever, you, you pull the lever. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, myst mysterious water in a basin. I'm going to drink it. I'm going to try it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll do it. It's fine. Yes. Ne never let an opportunity to eat the food of the Fae go by. <laughs> that was the, the the one thing I didn't do because uh, I was like, mm, no, in, in the Fey world, I will not. Everyone else in the team was like, no, I'll, I'll eat the. And no, don't don't eat the food, guys. Come on, this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> you should all know better than this. Uh, my character refused to eat anything and was there for six days and was insane and delirious and hungry and had to create water for himself and it oh, became yeah. a real nightmare. But you had fun, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's the important thing. We have fun thing. putting our characters through these terrible things. Oh, that, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as it stops being fun, I think it, the, I'd have to stop the show. The whole reason oh, that we, yeah. Yeah. We, we do it is to make them as miserable as possible. <laughs> that we have everything there it's so weird not having rebecca here because normally she knows how to end everything and i just mm. never have a so i'll just keep talking until uh i don't know what, what time do you have to <laughs> i'm kidding uh <laughs> thank you so so much uh for for coming in today and for being a part of this and for doing such a wonderful job of the in character i can't wait to go through and edit it it sounded oh. so wonderful uh, already <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. I've had a lot of fun today and it is really nice to be able to come on this show finally after listening to so many episodes. So thank you for inviting me. I've, I've yeah, it's been a great time. I'll continue to gush. <laughs> We're going to do the same exact thing on our end. It just, it's going to be back and forth all day. Sorry uh, folks, the episode is never ending. We're just going to keep complimenting each other back and forth. I think that's that is the best way for it to end. I, I think you know what, there is not enough positive complimenting in in society. 
that, that is one thing that uh, Rebecca does randomly. She will just compliment people and be like, you have a nice shirt or you have a really cool hat. And she will <laughs> yell it at people across the street and wherever she sees them. Uh, and it's uh, I think we need more of that. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you, uh, uh, <laughs> but, but thank you, thank you again. I, I can't, I can't believe that we had you on. It feels very surreal, <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I know that I have to go to bed now, and I'm gonna just believe that I dreamed this whole thing. Ah, nice tie into the topic there. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I planned it. I, I didn't sleep just in case. I finished work, and I was like, I'll stay up just so that way I can make one dream pun. It'll be good. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Imogen, and thank everyone for listening. And Rebecca says uh, that as well. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.